You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast helping water leaders to discover solutions and drive change. This is the host, Travis Loop. This is episode number 183, Inside Philly's Green Machine. Philadelphia is one of the country's leaders in the use of green infrastructure to manage stormwater and bring multiple benefits to communities. Since launching its Green City Clean Waters initiative in 2011, Philly has installed 2,800 green pools at more than 800 sites, which together capture a staggering 3 billion gallons of water. The city's approach and accomplishments are discussed in this episode with Stephanie Kirion, environmental scientist specialist and planner at the Philadelphia Water Department. Stephanie leads visits to three standout locations for green infrastructure, American Street, Adair School, and Waterloo Playground. Along the way, she provides insights on lessons learned and advice for other cities working to go green. We're here in the middle of Philadelphia. Uh, Very exciting to talk about green infrastructure here. You guys are one of the absolute leaders in this area. Could you talk about Philadelphia's just approach to green infrastructure? Sure, yeah. Uh, Philadelphia's approach is really focused on the green first uh, philosophy. So uh, we are pairing green infrastructure, uh, stormwater management systems with some gray infrastructure improvements. So we really arrived at that um, approach by thinking through, um, you know, from a cost point of view and a co-benefits point of view, what would um, be the most a suitable solution for Philadelphia. So we're thinking about um, how do we deliver co-benefits as well as, um, you know, add amenities to our neighborhoods at the same time as uh, addressing the stormwater problem. So. Uh, we have different pipelines. We've established our stormwater regulations, our stormwater incentives program, and then we have a PWD-led program. So for our PWD-led program, we're really focused on city-owned property uh, or public property, like streets and parks and uh, vacant land or facilities that are owned by the city. Uh, with incentives, we're really focused on non-residential properties and uh, with our regulations, they basically apply to all uh, properties that are triggering uh, our stormwater regulations, which are at a threshold of 15,000 square feet of earth disturbance. So uh, in essence, we are really going about it in a number of ways to get to our target goals of almost 10,000 green acres. I think Philly's been on this kind of journey formally for over a decade now. I'm really curious just about what what sparked that, how you started that journey, and what's been accomplished so far. Sure. Yeah, so Philadelphia uh, proposed this green first approach in 2009 to our regulators. And really, as I mentioned before, it was um, the the best approach for Philadelphia uh, to think about distributed green infrastructure systems throughout the combined sewer area um, and pair them with some traditional improvements and um, that was really on a cost basis and on a co-benefit basis. And we were able to get a lot of support from our communities around that approach. And we did a lot of outreach at the very beginning when we were trying to formulate this. Um, and that was also a big part of how we were able to be su- successfully propose it to our regulators. And it got adopted through um, 
the signing of formal agreement, uh, consent order and agreement in 2011. So since 2011 uh, to now, it's been about 12 years. We're in our 12th year. We celebrated our 10 year anniversary in 2021. As of that time, uh, we had installed about 2,800 green infrastructure tools. Uh, and um, that means about 3 billion uh, gallons of stormwater runoff uh, being reduced uh, combined to our overflow runoff. So that's really significant. And um, if you may remember, uh, I talked about 10,000 green acres being our target. Uh, at the time, um, our target milestone, we have a five-year increment uh, target milestone. So our 10-year milestone was about uh, 2,150 green acres. So we exceeded that green acre number, and now we're two years uh, ahead of that, and we're about 2,700 green acres in, and we have 1,700 green acres in the pipeline right now in design and construction. So all that to say, we are a huge program. Three billion with a B. I just, billion, I just want yeah. to circle back to that. That's incredible and that's so impressive. So, yes, and that's, three billion. that's going to keep growing too. Exactly. Yeah. Can you tell me about this project? You know, the name of the street and what has happened here. Yes, uh, this is American Street. This is um, a street in a former industrial corridor. Um, it's a rather large street compared to most Philadelphia streets. Um, the cartway width is, uh, curb to curb width is 84 feet. Um, and the right of way is 120 feet. So that's a lot of space to work with. Um, this street is what had rails, freight rails running up and down it from its, uh, industrial past. A lot of the lots were vacant. Um, there are still some industrial commercial businesses along the corridor when we started, uh, looking into the improvement project. Uh, it was identified by the streets department for improvements. Um, and there was money, uh, about $10 million from the state that was earmarked for the project. Uh, the water department had previously done a planning study in this area and had identified several opportunities for GSI. So when we heard that the streets department was finally letting loose with their project, we thought it would be a great opportunity for us to partner. Um, and so as a city, we put in um, a, an application for what we call a Tiger Grant. Um, it's a transportation improvement uh, generating economic recovery um, grant. So it's, it's transportation focused. And our ask was that we get to remove the freight rails um, from the middle of the street. We found a unique opportunity to be able to put GSI in the middle of the roadway. One of the economic barriers was the track removal. So we use the $5 million from the Tiger Grant towards that track removal. Um, the project spans from Girard Avenue all the way up to Indiana Avenue, which is about two miles and 18 blocks. Um, we have 41 GSI systems that we constructed. It was the largest uh, public retrofit project to date that we've been involved with. Uh, I think we were able to really leverage a lot of the opportunities because of our partnership with the Streets Department. Um, so there's a lot of coordination and collaboration with them. You're in the water loop. We're standing here in, in the middle of a bioswale in the median of the road. What What is this and how is this part of the big project? Uh, so this is uh, one of our bioswale blocks. Um, when we were originally looking at how wide the corridor was, uh, we were, and, and the traffic volumes, um, there wasn't a need to have 84 feet mm. wide lanes and parking. 
Um, so we talked road diet, you know, like what do we want, you know, this, this cross section to look like? We, we want to have cars. We want to have pedestrians. We want to have bikes and we want to have green wherever we can. Um, I mean, this was just all asphalt, all concrete, not a lot of trees. Um, just a vestige of the industrial past. So. Uh, wherever we could accommodate it, we, we advocated to have, uh, the center median, uh, where the railroad tracks were turned into swales. And so I like to call this the rails to swales project, uh, TM. Um, but no, I, it, it's, it was unused space, um, a lot of impervious area that could be managed. Um, and so the inlets from the outside of the street actually come in, they daylight, um, into outfalls. Uh, that, that fill up. We have under drains and overflow structures for the larger storm events. Um, and it adds a really nice feature to the corridor, I think. Um, and so we worked very closely with our green operations group to come up with, um, a planting plan that wouldn't require, um, excessive maintenance. Mm. And so we came up with, uh, two different grass seed mixes. So there's a bottom of basin grass seed mix and there's a, a side of basin grass seed mix that could be mowed just a few times a year relatively easily. Um, typically our smaller surface features like rain gardens and bump outs, we plant more ornamentally that will require more extensive maintenance. But we're just really focusing on, on getting trees and grasses, um, into these systems, um, you know, just immediate green, but pretty low maintenance, mm. uh, low cost. This bike lane along the bioswale and kind of along this corridor, could you talk about how that was built into the project? Yeah, well, when we were going through the design process, you know, we wanted to consider all the users of the corridor. And, um, you know, a, there's a, I like to say, pretty good core of, of bicycle commuters in the city and this, this area was just not bike friendly. All the freight rail tracks and all the sidings made it very dangerous uh, to bike down. And it was definitely from the, the start of the program going to be one of the major components. Uh, and when we were, you know, going through the bioswale ideas, um, you know, like having the, the center median be grass and, and manage stormwater, you know, we thought it would be a great idea to put the bike lanes next to that bioswale. Um, and, uh, to, enhance the safety of the bikers, we included a mountable curb. So the bikes are actually riding a few inches above the vehicles. Um, so they're more visible. So we are at the Adair school and, uh, we worked with many, many partners to make this project happen together. They came up with a vision for the schoolyard that really featured, uh, green infrastructure and play. Mm. So, uh, the result that you see here today is really, um, you know, being able to transform a significant portion of the school, uh, probably about a third of it into a rain garden. Um, and we also are standing um, on top of a subsurface stone bed underneath this coarse play surface. And um, the parking area was relocated completely and struck out anew uh, with um, kind of an area uh, lined by trees. So you kind of a buffer between that space and the rest of the active play. Mm. And there's um, a, a play equipment in another part of the schoolyard, uh, as well as some play mounds right in front of uh, the rain garden here that is really intended for a lot more active. Can you talk about why Philly has such an emphasis on 
this intersection of schools and green infrastructure, why, why that's an area of emphasis and why that's so beneficial? Sure. Yeah, so schools, uh, I mean, of course, represent many things uh, to Philadelphians uh, and to folks in general. I mean, they are community hubs. Uh, students are coming here to learn, but really there are places for families to also connect and uh, the neighbors to gather. So we thought that um, having schools as part of our program was really important from that point of view. And of course, there are very large properties as well with a lot of paved areas. So the school district is one of the largest um, um, landowners in the city as well. So we cultivated a partnership um, over the last 11, 12 years to really uh, work closely with the school district and over many different changes, um, both on our end and their end to make sure that we have um, a dedicated partnership and connection. Uh, we also supported the school district in um, trying to uh, find additional funding. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but um, the maintenance aspect is really important. So we actually have Emma Melvin from the school district here that could speak uh, about that. Uh, that was that was a really key component to continuing our partnership and uh, also for the school district to be able to realize some um, value in terms of financial um, gains. So there's actually stormwater credit that uh, the school district can get uh, when they're retrofitting their properties in this way, as well as when they're meeting our stormwater regulations. So um, there's a stormwater fee that we charge. And so if they're able to um, manage stormwater on the site, they get a certain amount of credit back on their bill. So that's been a huge part of the process. Can you talk to me about what it means to have this much green infrastructure here at this school? Sure. I just today, um, at the recess that happened uh, about an hour and a half ago, there is a group of kids who are really rough, right? And the, uh, the lunch aides don't have high expectations of them, let's say, and they know their name. <laughs> and um, we were having water ice out here celebrating our field day, and one of the kids asked me to borrow one of the trash pickers, right? Because one of his... Uh, like the lids, you know, flew in there. And then he started picking up trash and like, oh yeah. The lunch aide came over and he's like, you gotta take that away from that kid. That kid's no good. I'm like, just give him a sec, give him a sec. That kid picked up trash for about 20 minutes on his own, quietly. The lunch aide couldn't believe it. Said, that's gonna turn into a weapon any moment now. Didn't. The kid just quietly picked up trash. Like, huh, maybe he just needs something to do. That happened an hour and a half ago, in fact, right here, literally, the group of friends are sitting right here. So, like, that's a little bit a snapshot of, like, the stewardship that this can foster. Uh, the other day, I was, I was uh, showing, actually, yesterday, yesterday, we were digging up um, seedlings of redbud trees that, uh, that sprouted, you know, uh, volunteered that from that red bud tree probably or you know bird seed is there but like uh, we're gonna transplant them and uh put them in in these raised bed planters that we have on the around the store and until they're big enough and then we can bring them back there was a two-year-old a four-year-old and a six-year-old who were pulling the wagon and who were doing the digging and they were so thrilled to show their mom 
what they had done, right? So I see all these little transformative moments. You cumulatively you add them up, and it 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 what it adds up to is this feeling of ownership mm. and pride that an acre of asphalt that was a parking lot doesn't make possible. It's not just not something that can can happen. Before Trust Public Land, the Water Department, City, and the School District invested in this transformative project, this was a wasteland that briefly became a mob scene at dismissal and then just as quickly emptied out as a ghost land. Now, after dismissal, there are so many families that hang out, that are here, that are playing. There's a little area in the bushes back over there in the, in the American Cranberry that uh, several different age groups and different recesses have claimed as their own. I've heard it called the Wizard Room. I've heard it called the Fairy Castle. I've heard it called all these things. It's just this little spot that is this really special little like room within, like a green room within the schoolyard. There's so much cycles of positivity that, that happen and that are all enabled by this green intervention here. You're with the school district, right? And the school district has a green infrastructure coordinator. Yeah, tell me about that. So I was hired in 2019. Currently, at the end of this year, we'll have 52 um, green infrastructure sites, stormwater management sites on campuses and on school properties. Um, as Stephanie mentioned, we are required, like all other property owners, to maintain our green infrastructure. And no one at the school district had the training and the experience to know how to do that specialized training and to oversee a contract um, that does the work, say vegetation maintenance or subsurface clean out. There was no one at the district who really understood the systems and knew how to oversee a contract and what the systems needed. And so they brought me in in 2019 and I've been working really closely with PWD on both <laughs> maintaining our current systems, but really kind of to bring forward um, stormwater management to raise awareness within the school community about um, what they have on their campus, um, what the importance is, and how to expand um, the stormwater management systems on our school campuses. Mm. So they will be an asset to the school. As you can see, it there is a good example of the benefits, the multifaceted benefits that greening provides. You know, we talk about stormwater so much, but just the added green, the, the change of space, the calming environment. Kids are very tactile um, in these spaces. They come in and they touch and they bend and they immerse themselves in these spaces. It's a learning process mm. for both the administration, the teachers and the students on how to engage in these spaces and it's ever evolving Ooh. we continue to change our designs a little bit by what we see in our maintenance aspects so part of my role is to say okay this component didn't work well this plant doesn't work well we need to think about how we design access for different purposes like how to get, how to maintain the spaces or provide access to the students um so we make all these changes while we um do maintenance, we incorporate all those things into our designs of our new spaces. Mm. My role is to maintain, but also to raise the knowledge level um, in our whole 
cool system on mm. how these systems function and the benefits they provide. Green infrastructure has a really big physical presence in neighborhoods, on streets and city blocks. How do you engage the community in the development of green infrastructure projects? What we've done is uh, even before we really started um, doing projects at scale, we had some early demonstration projects. And so through that process, we learned you know, what was important, uh, not just in designing systems, but how to engage with communities. Mm. And also when we first uh, were kind of pitching this idea of uh, green infrastructure based um, program for addressing combined sewer overflows, we went to the community and, and talked to them about, you know, what this all meant. So we started from a very community focused perspective and so we had to continue with that um, through the actual development of, of our project. So we do this uh, now at scale and it takes a lot a lot of us. <laughs> so we basically divided the combined sewer area into four districts. And so we have um, public engagement specialists uh, paired with what we call district planners who identify projects within those areas. We've developed our um, outreach strategy to be geographically organized, but then we go uh, deeper in developing those relationships with uh, those communities. And uh, the range of uh, outreach and engagement work that we do can um, be uh, anywhere from one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings uh, sometimes, or, or letters or emails to full-on community meetings that we host, or we go to other um, community meetings that community organizations are hosting. We've also done um, uh, some pretty um, creative ways of engaging folks through art and uh, uh, different types of partnership with the Mural Arts Program, different types of events to kind of bring folks together to talk about uh, potential projects in, in their neighborhood at large. So we've tried many different avenues. And by doing that, uh, you know, we're learning along the way. And, you know, what we keep learning is that community engagement is really key to making our project success from the beginning all the way through construction and beyond that and yeah. into maintenance. We want folks to be engaged with us and report issues. Yeah. We even have a pro program called Soak It Up adoption program. We work with community organizations. We actually uh, pay them a stipend to help us basically steward uh, our public green infrastructure systems. One of the tough challenges with green infrastructure is maintenance. You put this great stuff in, but it takes, it, it needs to be cared for. What's Philly's approach to maintenance? You know, how do you get that done? Yeah. So in terms of maintenance, I'm going to segment it into couple of different um, categories. So our PWD-led projects, the water department is in charge of the maintenance for mm. those projects. And we have a whole entire team that's dedicated within our uh, operations unit. They're called the Green Stormwater Operations Team. So they're really responsible for the maintenance of all of these green infrastructure systems in the street, in parks, uh, on some facility properties, on some vacant land. I mean, it's important for performance, but also buy-in from the community, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're seeing systems that are full of trash or, um, you know, the plants are not looking great, um, you know, maybe they won't want that in their neighborhood. So in terms of buy-in, we really have to make sure that the maintenance aspect is uh, front and center when we're thinking about planning and design and constructions. 
So in terms of maintenance on uh, projects that have gone through our stormwater regulations and incentives, we actually have a post-construction inspection team and an, um, that goes out and inspects projects. Uh, and then we have a four-year cycle of inspection. Uh, these sites are required to maintain their systems in order to get the stormwater credits. But there is definitely a learning curve for many property owners. Mm. Um, and, you know, with bigger property owners like the school district, uh, we have worked with them to really um, uh, focus and strengthen their maintenance uh, team and how they're doing it. So we actually were able to support um, the school district in creating an RP for their maintenance contract. Mm -hmm. So through partnership work, we've been able to um, support different property owners to get their maintenance up to actually meet our um, criteria and also really uh, get the full credits. Hey, tell us about the we're at Waterloo pl Playground, not Waterloo Playground, but uh, what what is this place? How has this been uh, green infrastructure been put in here? Yeah, it's kind of an interior uh, playground to um, between uh, kind of rows of homes that were were built. What used to be a street, um, Waterloo, uh, that actually went through this site. Um, so essentially this area, um, became a playground and there was, um, a community design collaborative, um, which is, so the community design collaborative is a nonprofit organization here in Philadelphia that provides pro bono design uh, assistance. They created this play space competition mm. and one of the sites was this site. Mm. So, uh, with that competition, they're really trying to, um, Think about a full site transformation to pair um, nature play. And the water department was able to integrate uh, stormwater management within the criteria. Um, with that whole process, um, a um, design was created for this site to really try to balance um, the use of the site uh, with um, the play and the stormwater management aspect. So this site takes runoff from the site itself and also from the street. So uh, the um, there's actually a linear uh, stormwater tree trench behind me that follows uh, this curve, um, as well as um, some um, forest mounds that um, also um, are able to take on some of that stormwater from the majority of this site. And um, there's also a rain garden here uh, to my left that takes on uh, stormwater from the street as well. So uh, we created this very linear, but um, um, kind of winding uh, stormwater feature to accommodate also the play um, that was really a prerequisite for this site. Uh, and there was already basketball um, courts here and they were reconfigured to allow for this kind of linear configuration to happen and there was an amazing partnership with the Mirror Arts program. They painted them, they're Ooh. vibrant and colorful. Um, and so this kind of linear uh, aspect really drove the design, uh, but also made it really challenging for the stormwater management. So this was a very innovative design. We really tried to get as much stormwater as possible in the design, but with that came a lot of um, you know, problem solving with the design team. You know, Philly's had an incredible journey with green infrastructure so far over the past decade plus. What's next for you all? Sure, there's a lot that's next for us. <laughs> uh, we are looking at a potential expansion of green infrastructure 
uh, into the separate sewer. We don't know what that looks like yet. And we are currently working with our regulators to understand, you know, they're permitting for a separate sewer, you know, what we will be doing. Uh, so that's a geographic potential expansion of our green infrastructure work, since we're really focused on the combined sewer from um, a water department led project point of view, our stormwater regulations and our incentives are citywide. So we already kind of have those um, in place, uh, but we'd probably be looking at uh, using similar models of how we've implemented projects in the combined sewer, but also in the separate sewer. Uh, and of course, um, as part of this, you know, we have to really consider climate resilience mm -hmm. and equity. So uh, those are two huge topics that we're really trying to understand how do they intersect with our green infrastructure program and everything that we do from uh, community uh, engagement to partnership work and, you know, how we plan and design these systems for climate resilience. And that includes thinking about green infrastructure and flooding. What does that really look like for us? Uh, how do we design those systems? Right now, our systems are not really um, designed to address flooding per se, although they can help with some climate resilience goals. But as we expand, you know, maybe it's about thinking about targeted uh, green infrastructure um, uh, implementation in areas of uh, greatest vulnerability to environmental um, issues um, and other uh, types of vulnerabilities. So um, in thinking about climate resilience, we already have started doing some of that work. We've um, targeted some green infrastructure packages in areas of high heat mm. in the Hunting Park area of our um, city and also in Cobbs Creek. So those are just some examples of how we're starting to change that thinking. Through all your experiences, through everything that's happened here in Philly, what are some of the key lessons you've learned and and kind of the companion to that key advice you'd have for other communities? Sure. So I think uh, there's many lessons to, to learn from us. Uh, we have such a large scale program that sometimes it feels a little hard to translate that. But I, I think the way we started was thinking about building out partnerships and community stakeholders to try to understand, you know, what is green infrastructure? How could it support the many goals that we all have collectively, different working with city agencies try, to try to align goals mm -hmm. and see where um, stormwater management with green can really hit their goals as well. So there's kind of this um, partnership building across different um, sectors uh, that would be really helpful. But first, you have to really start to understand like how can green infrastructure really help some of the water issues that you are having? Right. So um, I think being able to learn and understand that um, can take a lot, uh, depending on where you are in your journey in uh, green infrastructure. So there's lots of professional organizations that can help with that. So the Water Now Alliance, the U.S. Water Alliance, they're really fantastic. And there's the Green Infrastructure uh, Leadership Exchange. There's peers out there that have been doing this for years that you can directly ask questions of and learn from. You're not starting from zero, and they've also built out a whole bunch of resources that are available to utilities and cities across the U.S. and Canada. So I think they're, you know, we're not where we were 15 years ago with green infrastructure. So, um, you know, maybe you all can leapfrog over some of the things that we've 
we've uh, learned. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. You're in the Waterloop. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.